From the Far East to the Great West, the podcast that celebrates the red-headed stepchild of the Kung Fu genre, Bruce Broitation. Welcome to the Clones Cast. Here are your hosts, Michael and Matthew. Thank you, Michael. Here we go. This is awesome. Hello. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm Chu Chiling. Thank you, all the fans. It was welcome to join the, our the comp class. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. You like the way he says Absolutely. Yeah, what a cool guy. You want to see it again? <laughs> yeah, no, he was, uh, he's one of the, uh, what? Oh, just kidding. What were you saying about him? Oh, okay. Uh, I was just saying he's like one of the best, you know what I mean? Like he's so full of energy, that guy. He's like, you can't, you, we, we were having a tough time keeping up with him. He's, uh, he's, uh, funny. He's super into what he does. You know, he's. He loves it. He's got such a connection and a great mind. His body's all together. He loves working out. So he's he's great. I'm I'm uh, I'm glad we got him in a lot of movies. Yeah, he's like a comedic genius as well as uh, I mean, he knows how goofy he looks, but he also he's stacked. He looks like he could just kick all our asses. Yeah, probably good. <laughs> Well, here we are live. This is weird. I know we're a little. Uh, I know we're a little uh, lagging because if it's so. If anybody's wondering what's uh, sometimes with the space, I think we're uh, having a little uh, tiny bit of a delay between us. I, I see myself staggering a few seconds behind, so we might have some little overlap and uh, a little bit of um, how would you say uh, dead space? Yeah, exactly. I'm. I'm also recording this locally, so. Um... There's a couple things. We I have like about ten clips planned, and I tried to choose clips that have no music in them because that's usually what YouTube picks up on. I mean, again, they shouldn't have any trouble with any of this anyway because we're just reviewing a movie. But um, yeah, that said, if we get kicked off, sorry everybody, but know that in the end you'll see the whole thing with all the stuff. Um, then yeah, the delay is it delay sucks. The Skype one last time we recorded this was really part of the problem. I mean, there were moments where Michael would be talking and he'd be gone for like two minutes and yeah, it just sucks the <laughs> modern world. But um, I'll, I'll actually share some clips of that one that I can salvage because uh, I've got some great clips of Michael in his uh, storage unit sharing a couple small things. I think people will really love that. Ah, okay. That's pretty cool. Um, okay, so yeah, that said, um, yeah, names of this movie. We're doing The Gold Connection, 1979. Um, it's also called Iron Dragon Strikes Back. I watched that one first, which is the dubbed version. And then I watched The Gold Connection, which is actually the subtitled version. And it's pretty cool. Um, they're both identical, no missing scenes, but it's cool. Um, yeah, that, that both exist in different names, but they're exactly the same. I don't know. Are there other titles for this one? Uh, that, what was it? You had Iron Dragon Strikes Back, right? And, yeah. And, uh, 
and gold connection, right? Yep. Sorry, guys. Move that camera. Yeah, that's the one. I think those are the, one, the main ones, anyway. Nice. Well, cool. Uh, directed by uh, Koo Chi Hung. Um, what's his story? Koo Chi Hung, yeah. He, um, he's a, another Shaw Brothers guy, long-term Shaw Brothers guy. Um, worked for Chang Che, was an assistant to Chang Che. So, of course, you get your experience. Anybody who's an assistant director to Chang Che gets the, the good experience. Um, he, uh, he did a couple other films that some Bruce Ploitation fans would would uh, have seen, which was um, uh, The Tea House and Big Brother Chang. They were, they're both based on, I don't know if it's a comic book or a novel, but um, it's a crime, crime drama. But Bruce Lay, before he was Bruce Lay, is in it, and he's completely foreshadowing who he will become. He's got a pair of new chakus in one scene, and he's, he's doing the whole deal. And, um, so the, and they're two really good movies, but that, yeah, the... the Success of that movie is uh, kind of made this director uh, a really well-known and often used uh, crime. Like crime. I'm, trying to I'm trying to think of who to compare him to in America, but just he did a lot. This is what, what is reflected in this movie is uh, the, the very suspense and tension that he prefers probably over just the straight-up action scenes. Yeah, looking at, um, you know, reviewing it again today because I always try to go over these a few times. There's so many touches that he does. Um, in particular, we we have a clip of it later, but it's that great scene right after um, the poor girlfriend gets her business. But um, the camera shows like a pot of roses with falling petals, and then it sort of just like zooms back, and then there's Bruce. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a lot of things actually. The director he. He zooms in like we talked about this last time, but we're and I'll make sure that we don't let stuff go because we did this one time. Like, but um, the the volume of things, he always likes to like zoom in on the volume being turned up. And as we know, of course, the camera is sort of the Chekhov's gun. We see the camera early on with the girlfriend and we're going to see the camera later. But it's funny the the way the director just sort of like, you know, jumps in on those things. Yeah, I mean, he pulls, he does that a few times, like you said, with the audio. In fact, at the very end, I mean, which we'll get to, you know, when, even with the, the last kick of death at the end of the movie, there's sort of a moment of just goes into silence, you know, and he's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, cool. Um, so this has Bruce Lai. Um, it has a cool guy named uh, Han Kwok Choi. Uh, he's our, uh, I think, yeah. our other lead. Yeah. Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah. Anybody else uh, who has a, you know, Philip, well, Philip is, you know, comes in, he's, he's more cameo in this. In fact, this, the same year, this, this movie was made by gold dig, which is a uh, fairly large independent film company. It did a lot of like the dragon lives again. Um, but the one he was shooting the same year was uh, duel of the seven tigers. So it wouldn't, I think he did a few films that year. So it wouldn't surprise me if they sort of just pulled him in off the set, you know, for <laughs> a couple of, couple of scenes. Uh, in this one, but um, yeah, and we've also got uh, San Kwai who pops up in every Bruce Plotation film playing one of the the mugging bad guys in this one. So um, we'll, we'll recognize a few. And then and the, the fight choreographer who pops up really briefly in the uh, the scene where they're shooting the movie is um, uh, Luke Chen, who was the interesting, you know, he worked as um, 
he worked as a choreographer on Magnificent Bodyguards with Jackie Chan. So him and Jackie Chan did, which was for Low Way, which I thought was kind of interesting because Luke Chen also was the choreographer and actor in uh, Fist of Fury Part Two, which was competitive with Low Way's new Fist of Fury. So he probably was like, ah, you know, did a movie. What the hell? I'll still work with you. So anyways, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the notables that we have here. I like it. Um, cool. Uh, you know, I have this cool chat thing. By the way, guys, this is all new to us. Um, we've never done this live. We've used other software. Anyway, this is new, but um, I've got a chat thing. And I just see uh, Chris, the brain, uh, pulling up. He asked the question, do you think this movie got um, the Iron Dragon Strikes Back uh, after the success of Empire Strikes Back? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think so, too. I think it's exactly what it was. Yeah. I mean, this you, these Bruce Blitzen movies, you, if you go, especially, there's a point like in the late 70s, early 80s, where you'll notice, um, you'll notice their combination of pulling, I'm, I'm trying to think of one to give you as an example, but where they'll pull films from American, well-known American films and sort of throw a little Bruce into it to make it, you know. Hey, Gold Connection, up, but, baby. Yeah. I mean, that was all the uh, French Connection. Yeah, right. right. Or Chinese connection, you know, either one. Yeah, but there you go. Yeah, I love it. Um, cool. So, yeah, we'll just jump in here. Uh, so this one starts out. It's pretty cool. It explains everything to you. There's this ship. There's refugees. There's gold smuggling. It's the Vietnamese. Um, we instantly pop in. Uh, Bruce is on this date with this girl who doesn't quite like what he's doing. In fact, who's her brother? Um, well, I just wanted to say real quick, uh, I wanted to say that um, what I thought is interesting about this is that the the whole refugee thing, which we see on the TV, is great because it sets up the world that this all takes place in. It's like the macro world of what we're about to see happens. And it's so much doesn't, what happens through the course of the four, uh, story never changes what we see in the beginning, right? It's sort of like this one of those depressing realistic movies where you're going to realize overall dilemma that's going on with the refugees, the smuggling, et cetera, et cetera, is really going to be unaffected at all by this horrendous course of this, this uh, yeah. story. And so you get this great TV stuff and then we pull off the frame of the TV, pull through the frame of a window. And then we're in the, in the story of our human beings that, that uh, are, we're about to dive into and yeah. feel like, like, or this is my interpretation is feeling like they're little pawns in this whole thing in the in the end of it, you know? Yeah, they are pawns, and they got the shit into the stick. They find a little bit of gold while they're out fishing. I mean... Yeah. God. All right, well, um, that leads to, I think, our first clip. Um, so Bruce is out with his girlfriend, shows off his camera, takes a bunch of pictures of her. We're using the camera. Uh, we get into our clip one. Bear with me, guys. I hopefully just do this normally. Um, which is our dojo scene. And I know Michael has a lot to say about this dojo scene. I threw a little clip in of the beginning where he destroys the sign, but here we go. Oh, my God. 
Straight out of the Pink Panther. It's like the Kato scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of misdirects in this too. You know, there's a we've got a couple of moments in this movie where you're going, oh, oh, I think this is a fight, and it ends up not being a fight. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, th this is I I love for me. It, uh, this would score a hundred percent in my top five best Bruce Lee fights ever. I think he was at the top of his game, physically, uh, choreography-wise. Um, it's great because you get, a, as our first fight of the movie, you get a little bit of everything. You get the straight-up brawling, which is a little more um, reflective of, I think, what this film is. You know, a little more realistic basher kind of action. But then you get some shapes. He starts working the snake a little bit. And then you get some gymnastics. And Bruce Lai is really beating out the gymnastics pretty well he does it he goes into like a um, a cartwheel into this front handstand almost like he's going to do a front uh a front flip and then he kips up and it's him i mean it's all you know in one shot and it's great um and he hooks his feet into the the rings and he's fighting upside down for a minute and doing some but i i, I love this fight i think it's really well made and um it was shot at uh Chu ling's gym which of course he makes his appearance here and um it's uh yeah, it's great. I mean, um, it's, well, like I said, it's, it's got to be for me in my five, five favorite movies. Well, I'll throw up some of the stills you have here of that. Um, we've got some very yes. cool. These are Chi yeah. Chu Ling's personal shots. He, uh, yeah. And then we got this one. Just beautiful. Uh, we've got <laughs> this awesome shot of the guys. I mean, gosh, how cool is that? His dojo, and he just yeah. yeah. Bruce ends in these pictures, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what else we got? And then we have and yeah. There we go. Uh, those are awesome. Yeah. And those and those who, you know, know the Bruce Plotation movies that come will also recognize that same gym from Bruce's Deadly Fingers. I think I think they were using to, to use his gym. Gotcha. Uh, looking over at chat, Sean brought up me too. I love the leg in the air thing, the foot in the face. I mean, I think I first saw that from Bruce. Bruce was just like, really? You're going to come at me after all this? Foot in your face. Like, you know, you could just hold the stance perfectly. Um, and Martial Arts Theater 3000 wants to know, how do you rank this amongst Bruce Lee's other films? Sorry, Bruce Lee's other uh, films. Bruce Lee's other <laughs> Right, right, right. I, you know what? I, I think... Uh, 
um, I, I like the film a lot. I, I wouldn't know if it's in my top five favorites, but what I do like about it is it's very different. It's like if I was to say to somebody, you want to see a different Bruce Lye film, I think it's this one. And I think the story is actually pretty effective. You know, you're dealing with, we've seen it a couple of times with his movies where you have like Soul Brothers of Kung Fu and, and um, uh, we were just watching um, a little bit in um, a Llama Avenger. You know, where you have the dissolution of friendship and the sort of uh, corruption of, of friendship or whatever. And, and so, but this one I think is uh, why I like this one. It's definitely the most brutal, in my opinion, fights that Sly's movies ever. This, the one we, we get at the end is by far his most violent fight. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I like it, like it a lot. I think for that reason, it's, it's a worthy one to watch. Well, and you know, I like it a lot. You know, me, um, you and I have gone through this for a really long time now, and you've definitely um, whipped me with things like uh, Bruce and New Guinea and stuff like that. They're just, they're hard to watch. They're hilarious. Uh, you understand where they're coming from, but they're not exactly enjoyable. <laughs> where this was just delightful, frankly. I mean, everything about this, it's just, it's a great film. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that leads us into um, Arku. So the guy who is just now the Kato in that situation, we're getting right from the beginning that he's sort of not best friend. You know, he's kind of a borrower, gambler, whatever. Uh, we meet friend four. Um, it's four friends total. Um, and I don't even know his name, but they all go fishing and uh, they find gold. And that's where our plot gets started. And I've got a nice little clip there. Uh for the gold finding. Let me throw that on and then Michael, I'd love to hear what you think. It's heavy, huh? Hey, it's sealed. Hey, open it up and see. Come on. All right. Well, come on. Get the thing open, huh? All right. <laughs> wow! It's ah, That's awesome. I like how small the gold bars are because we're used to like all of the American Western movies where a gold bar is substantial. And these are these little, little like Vietnamese slivers of gold, which is obviously more money than any of them ever had, but pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's um, you know, it's the, you know, like you said, it's the moment where, we're, where our, our friends are about to discover the dark side. And it's kind of funny. Um, at, uh, at one point the, in the editing, if you pay attention, and you'll see how um, uh, Sly sort of has a look on his face. Of, he's, he's happy the, about the gold, and then it kind of cuts. You can tell in the edit, the director said, no, no, you're supposed to be upset about the gold, and it, it changes all of a sudden. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, so they actually decide to put it back, oh, which is crazy. Um, 
uh, and it's all, of course, Bruce. And I think that's one of those classic things we always talk about. It's the spirit of Bruce Lee in Bruce Lai that's like, well, let's keep things on the up and up and we'll put it back in the water. And if nobody comes for it, we can have it or something like that. But it was sort of like, you know, downing all the excitement that uh, at the then now we're like, you know, obviously what happens is uh, um, Akun comes back, doesn't tell anybody and steals the gold anyway. So, <laughs> um, which leads to a funny scene. Uh, we talked about it a bit the first time we recorded this. But it's just so random that the next time we see uh, Akun, he's got this big bushy wig on, and you know he's throwing money at a lady. And I think I, uh, I think I have that. It's called uh, Arku the Money Man. Throw it on. Ah, uh, bam. being formed to look into the racket, which may involve look at that mob. businessman. Yeah. Why are you here? <laughs> These here are for your mother's operation. And these are to keep her healthy and well-fed. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, his hair is a status symbol, I guess, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, I never thought of that. Like, you know, he looked kind of cool bald. Uh, yeah, it was awesome. Um, yeah, and that they lead. It, so one part we missed, uh, jumping straight there, is that he did go to a buyer. Uh, he had like the gold hidden in some shoes, and he showed it to the guy, and was like, "Guys, like only for you." And um, which is crazy because then, pretty much right after that scene, they come to the buyer, and I, I think they're just kind of generally fighting him, but then they hang him. So we are right onto the grit here of like they're not yeah, really letting you, it. yeah yeah and you get another gr great little fight scene here which is that that moment in the alley that's back and forth and again it's much less artistic and martial arts oriented than than our opening fight scene with bruce Lai. um but it's it's, it's actually pretty cool it's actually filmed really was dark but they do some innovative uh, camera work and pacing with it. And then at the end, like you said, there's that great last moment that's shot from below with the bulb hanging in the, the frame and he's hanging from the light bulb and it's dirty and just, you know, perfect. Yeah, I, I think our director really liked to do that. I mean, you think about ongoing. I mean, the torture of people seems to be high up on his list of things that he films well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's that crime, you know, I mean, they're really, they beat the crime. I mean, sometimes it gets obviously a little cartoony, you know, Sam Quiet and his hat and his cigarette and, you know, it's a whole deal, but, um, you know, it's part of the charm of it. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, so, um, yeah, so the thugs kill the dude, go to uh, Arkun's house, uh, Arkun's house. Um, I like that part. They sneak in, they just toss the place. Um, I don't actually have a clip for this. I sh I could have but i didn't want to do like you know 18 clips versus like 10 but there's it's a really great right. close-up of turning the music up really loud while they ransack the place which is a recurring theme that comes back in the end and i like that i just thought it was ridiculous but the other thing is of course we find the spear gun <laughs> so mm -hmm. the next gun they tear the place up 
Now, unfortunately, uh, Chow comes, who was the third friend. So there's banker friend, random friend. I guess he, he was really just here to be abused, to be honest. When you think about everybody else's rules, poor Ah Chow. Yeah, so he comes. We get our next big fight. It's actually really good. I mean, I was surprised how Ah Chow was totally standing up for himself. He's fighting off four dudes. They're rolling over barrels, all this stuff. But, of course, uh, I don't even know the guy's name, but Asshole comes out with that harpoon and shoots him through the leg. And I have a clip of that. <laughs> So, uh, of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I have the harpoon, and of course, I have the air compressor. Let's just see what bad things happen to uh, Chow. Oh boy! Oh. What an asshole. Just who is this, Arco? My friend. Nice. Do we know who the guy in the little hat is? That's Sam Kwai. Okay. Yeah. You you've seen him a, a dozen times. You know. I mean, he's uh, I'm blanket on what you would probably remember him from, but he's he's all over the place. And he, um, but I mean, that's a great example right there. You know, it's it's the focus of the scene is about the tension. You know, you know the the cameras going over the um, over the POV of the basically the the spear gun, and the the, the fighting is less martial arts you know he's just holding him and pounding his stomach and and then he you know he walks <laughs> i love the way he walks up and he kind of slaps him face in a bunch of times i know it's so mean it's so hard to like... yeah yeah cool uh <laughs> all right so arku comes home um and what's cool he sees some blood on the ground he's not a complete dumbass he's again our biggest like schemer of the crew um, he comes up and he does this funny thing that he slowly unlocks his door and he gets this weird metal box he has shot. And I've got that clip too. So let's do that one. And fortunately, one after that's air compressor. So here we go. Uh, here's Arku in the tin box. I like that he tastes it. He smells it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he's Sherlock Holmes. All the squeaky shoes. Dude, that hallway scene of him running away from them, so good. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was really good. 
All right. Well, that leads. You remember? You probably remember him. He was in uh, Bruce Lee's Greatest Revenge. Um, the Ah uh, Chow person or the um, Arku? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, Hong Wong. Yeah. He played like the friend that he, we we talked. He's bald in that as well. You you get right, but you've seen him. I know who you're talking about that. now. Yeah. All right. And those are a bunch of good fights, frankly. Um, they eventually catch back up with Arku. He holds his own. You know, he escapes. Um, now it's poor Achao that's uh, up for our next scene um, with the air compressor. Uh, <laughs> and here we go. Let's just get it over with. Poor bastard. Drop his pants. Drop his pants. <laughs> Why? Now talk. Jump me. And walk. Walk away. Yeah. That was rough. <laughs> and that, that to me is the greatest because first off, the whole idea of what they're doing is just so bizarre you know it's like i mean the guy'd be dead probably I'm, I'm no one's ever even probably thought physiologically there's probably some <laughs> well maybe somebody has but but then what's so funny is it cuts from that to a billboard of when a woman is in love which is a roger Medine <laughs> film from 1976. i purposely you know and, that I, and it's just for you it's it's great it's just such a bizarre contrasting sh it's just great i love it Yep. Okay. Uh, we get a little break then, in my. And clips. then we get this moment too that follows it, where they're talking about how lousy the direction is in the movie, and, yeah. and no action, and that whole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which um, I think was trying to like tie us in, like we didn't realize it yet because they really didn't talk about it. But Bruce was also in the movie industry, which is why we get the upcoming scene that he's like on the set with uh, with the switcheroo <laughs> right all right. right all right so bruce leaves the movie they try to kidnap him there's a good big chase um bruce beats him up they run away they actually find arku um somewhere and just start beating him up so actually what i won't even I, i'll stop there that fight that they had at the top of like it felt like it was like the top of a abandoned office building right Mm -hmm. Was there something significant about yeah, that? Yeah, it's great. I actually, you know, and again, well, I think it's another example of where the director is relying more on the tension than the action. You know, I, I think in other hands of other directors, is like fight, 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 run into a hall, fight, 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 run into a hall, fight, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And here you've got them running around. He builds it up. They're looking through windows. There's this moment where they're he's coming. One of the characters is one of the bad guys looking through a window. And we're sort of panning with the bad guys. And as we pan through the dark, we realize the foreground is our heroes all hiding behind the uh, couch. And uh, and again, what's great about it is is the characters are not, I'm going to go fight. Sometimes Bruce plays the hero, right? He's like, even if he's a cab driver, anybody that jumps up in front of him, he's like, let's go, boom, boom, boom. Here, that's showing how they're like, I don't want this stuff. I don't want this life. I want, you know, we're like, you know, we're just in love. We're just friends. It's just like... 
And um, and what I like is the last shot of it, the very last shot's a long shot in the hallway. It's pretty cool. It's just a wonder. It's just a wide lockdown, and, and Bruce Light comes up and basically kicks each one of the guys. There's like, I don't know how many guys. There's six or seven. He's just all in one shot. Kicks one, kicks one, kicks one, kicks one, kicks one, kicks one, and then they run off, you know. And again, that's when they all, I yeah. find that's tougher to do. Yeah, and, it's, and that's an exa- another example of, of martial arts that's a little more difficult because you, even with some of the best guys, you know, they, 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 there's a way, a modern, not even modern, I mean, it's been going on forever, but the idea of you catch a technique once or twice and then you get a different angle once or twice and it, you're picking these to try to accept and, you know, I think Bruce was so, at this point, was at the top of his game that, you know, they would just let him fly sometimes in a wide shot, you know, and that was yeah. a moment like that it worked pretty well. And it went from that scene, actually, pretty much like they left that, and then Arku was in his hotel room, maybe, and he's just getting his ass kicked, too. And then they show up, kick those guys' asses again, which is just crazy, like, just one after another. But that's when they yeah. realize that Arku is, like, uh, not their friend. He has, like, two tickets to Paradise, and they weren't part of the Paradise plan. <laughs> That's right, and the wig had fallen off. His, his <laughs> yes. alter ego was gone. The wig had dropped, yeah, for sure. Um, so cool, yeah. As my notes say, they find Akun somewhere. I think it's like a hotel room, because he's throwing his money around. They start beating him. Bruce comes back, and it was really, uh, yeah, they just, uh, it was actually the third friend, whose name I never got, the the cool financier that works for the bank. Whatever his name is, yeah, yeah. he's just like no yeah, more of this too. shit. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, finally they they're like we're done ambushing Bruce and crew because we keep getting our asses kicked. So it's time to call and arrange for a trade, and we get the cool scene at the quarry. And I have the scene lined up here. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't have everything because it's just too long of a scene, and it's awesome. But I do have where the bad guys are walking up. So here we go. Let's throw that on and we can talk about the quarry scene. It's awesome. Boy, help me. Careful. Right. It's a really cool place. Yeah. They love rock quarries, that's for sure. Yeah, I guess there's lots of them. Remember to leave the season where poor Acho is getting like dragged away, and um, unfortunately, of course, uh, he doesn't survive the battle. I know. Well, that that was another great example of 
the way this director works and with the, with the tension and the camera work, you know, you notice we were shooting through that in, inside of the bus and we we're shooting outside and we're, we're focused on these characters coming together about to do this intense trade off. And then this bald head comes up into the, into the <laughs> shot in the it's foreground, you know, and you really realize, oh, wait, you know, yeah. I would have been happier if he would have run one of them over. It didn't happen, but that's just my level of darkness. I'm like, run them down, motherfucker. Okay. All right. Um, so here's the funny thing. Have you guys noticed up to this point, um, they always go to those like bleachers or whatever. <laughs> it's like high up on some office building. They must have just been free to shoot there. But that's where they do their pondering about what's next. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, sometimes you know they go to a, a one location and they try to shoot a couple of them. We all do this in filmmaking. You know, you get a great location. Like, which, what can we shoot here so we can get it all, like, in one day? But I think you're right that there was a design to it because all of those scenes in the bleachers are always sort of fairly connective, you know. So there was clearly this idea of, yeah. I like this place, this look, these rows this empty vacant thing where people should be but there's only you and you know so i mean you can read into this stuff all day and a lot of times with these films there's nothing to read into but i think with this film again you're dealing with a director who is actually whatever it may be in his brain what we're talking about now by analyzing these these scenes he, he had something in mind there's definitely something there which i love and that's why it makes this movie stand out for me yeah i love it um I, I agree completely. Yeah, it's sort of like, uh, it reminds me of like the old, uh, you know, the Iliad and the Odyssey, Zeus and, and crew standing on Mount Olympus looking down at the peasants. It's sort of like every time something bad happens, we're back up on this like high place kind of looking down. So they, yeah, they're just trying to decide what do we do with, what do we do next? What do we do with the gold? Um it's funny to me that nobody else knows where the gold is buried except Haku. Is it? Um, and like it stays that way. Spoiler, but yeah, it's crazy. Like Bruce should have been like, oh, yeah. "Where did you put the extra gold bars? I'd like to know that. I could use that as leverage labor or something. I don't know." Yeah, and then again, that's what we talked about in the beginning. There clearly is a point to this movie, which is this sort of ruination of of lives that nobody's even going to ever notice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just the only the, the last shot of why that we get to, it's that way, right? I mean, it's just sort of like done. You know, <laughs> no, and, no great swan song, nothing. You know. So who are the aggressors here? I mean, and who are the in, in if we look at the model in that. Um, we have these aggressors who are after the gold and they've got, you know, power, which we see in this. I mean, it's obvious later on, we're going to get there that these people don't matter. Who are the aggressors and who are the victims? Right. And I think this is the seventies, you know I mean? I'm, you watch American movies in the seventies and it was much the same, you know, there's a, this is where, uh, this is where there was this blurring of, you know, whether it was Serpico or Dirty Harry or whoever, you know, where you were blurring the lines of good guy, bad guys. I mean, that's what the 70s was, was a complete rebelling of the, you know, even with the martial arts films, you know, you had the, you know, heroic chivalry, you know, of, of the older films, the King Who movies or whatever that was, you know, there's the good guy and there's the bad guy. And, you, you know, and, and here it was like getting a little bit lost. Now, I think, I think, that was less the issue here. Maybe we're 
supposed to know these guys were the good guys. They just allowed themselves to get, as people do, pulled into the greed, um, or at least one in particular did. And um, but they have this interesting element, which is the guy who the the rich guy who lives, you know, we just see him in his office all the time. And he's right. sort of just this like quiet little businessman that's kind of going, OK, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Yeah, I'll take it. And it's like it's so weird because it's like he's not he's not the bad guy. He's not chomping on the cigar going, I'm going to finish these guys. He's responding to the faceless voice on the phone that's kind of going. You gotta do. You gonna fix this for us? He's like, yeah, yeah. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. But it's and then that's and again at the end of the movie, just to bring it up, you know, it's he's like, oh, I did a good job. Oh, thank you. And it's, it's what's the last shot when the credits are going up? It's a fish tank. It's just a fish tank and a ship in the fish tank. And it's just like we've all been pawns in this giant fish tank, you know. I mean, it's great. It's 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 well thought out for sure. But I think that that is a point. No, it's a great point. It's like it really is a chess game, and we don't know who's playing the game because we never see them. It ends up just being a bunch of underlings fighting for whatever the gold. And the gold ended up being meaningless when we get to the end of it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's terrible. All right. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. So the baddies actually do what we didn't expect. We expected more of the same. Now we fought. We fought in the quarry. They killed another person. And now the baddies hire an assassin. So this is a really funny setup. Uh, my clip won't do it justice. I tried to grab a little of the clip, but they do the old switcheroo. So what's really funny about this next scene is we're just watching the movie, cruising along, having a good time. And suddenly we're in this like old school kung fu movie. Long white hair, kung fu master, kicking people's asses. Um, I think when I was watching it for the first time, I'm like, Wait, what just happened? Like, it was like on two levels. Like, what just happened and why? Like, have I have I not been paying attention well enough to understand why what's happening right now is happening? But they, they fix it pretty quickly that uh, Bruce is part of a, you know, production set and they're doing some old school kung fu movie. And um, the setup is, which it's funny on multiple levels because first off, we just have our good actor that's doing his thing and they pause and they actually just go off on this uh for some reason they have um a staff with a knife at it at the end of it one that's really sharp and one that's a prop <laughs> all right so let me throw in my switcheroo video and then i call you and i could get to the bottom of this uh the switcheroo here we go yeah. could be dangerous hey i'm going for pay okay yeah okay yeah, he had to go pee. I'm going for a beer, I think. Oh, no, the loo. Is that what it's saying? This is the real one? That's the fake. The real one, the fake. Don't you get it wrong. Right, they put him right next to him. Yeah. Okay. You ready? Hmm. Yeah, sure. Camera? Yeah. That's it. Right. Action! Hey, not like that. Aim lower. Let's try it again. I'll kill you. <laughs> so what's great about the scene is it eventually leads down hallways and then outside. Everybody's going crazy. But yeah, cool scene. Yeah, no, great. I'm, 
it's another great example of another good fight scene in this movie. And I, I and what I like about well, first off, I should point out too is when he's getting ready to to shoot it. When you look at that shot of the whole crew, and he goes, "Okay, ready and action." If you look, leaning over, I think it's over Bruce Lee's shoulder. You see Luke Chen, who's the the fight choreographer of the movie, and you'll recognize with Fist and Fury too. But um, what I like about this, and you didn't show the fish getting cut in half, so that was the other thing. But um, they uh, they um, they do this shot once he starts going through the room with the knife it plays again as a wonder like the camera's just going with the guy and you're kind of spinning and it's very chaotic this guy's throwing pillows at him they're trying to tackle him it's not this it goes from this classical kung fu fight right boom boom boom, boom. and all of a sudden it's like reality is no get him he'll tackle me that's what i love about it and it goes on one if you watch it's one continuous shot which is a lot people know it's a lot harder to do you know you want to cut cut reset cut um and in this case they don't do that and it's so effective because it feels so real after watching the fake kung fu action you get this and it feels more like oh my god this is real i love that yeah um and absolutely i felt that too like i mean we're in this new scene the whole movie has kind of changed now this is happening but this creep who was just like trying to kill people and they actually find the original guy who had to go pee and they like they want to beat him up or whatever and he's just like oh he, he beat me up you know it was terrible it was actually really funny yeah that was awesome yeah uh reaching over yeah, to the chat seen. um the martial arts media podcast says once again plays into the common theme found within the bruce lie pictures the breaking down of the wall between cinema and reality, bringing the actual cinematic apparatus into the narrative of the film. Totally, yeah. And we also know Bruce, like, as Bruce lies in this, it's just like, they want to remind us all Bruce was somebody who was, you know, a part of the movie-making universe. So it makes it more that Bruce Lai is like Bruce Lee in this, even though... I think we talked about, uh, or maybe I read it in a review. This is the the one film where um, Bruce Lai was like, "I'm not going to be called Bruce this time. Like, this is my movie." Yeah, yeah, you're right. This and that's a good point. Is this is one of those few films where where we're not seeing posters of Bruce Lee on the wall, or they're talking about Bruce Lee, the great martial artist. You know, I mean, it's kind of kind of pulled away from this and you know it's moving on to different territory yeah well lovely um all right so the switcheroo we get the restaurant scene with fake watches so now they get paranoid and they're thinking like everybody's after them and there's a cool scene where they're in just like a nice restaurant um and they think they're about to get attacked i think bruce calls somebody or maybe his friend calls somebody and either way they come and it was like a somebody selling fake Rolexes or something. Um, and we're like, cool. Okay. So maybe we're not as paranoid as we need. I, maybe we're overly paranoid, like, you know, whatever. But then the next scene is when the girlfriend gets the towel. And I have a clip of that. Mm-hmm. Of course, sweetie. Here we go. Uh, girlfriend on fire. I call this one. God, that was dark, man. Yeah, and here's the the rose. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he was really like, even with the Rose thing, it's just like the director was trying to go for it. Like this beautiful woman was destroyed. This beautiful flower is fading into the darkness. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's a little heavy on the head sometimes, you know, the petals. Yeah, it's exactly it. What you just said, the beauty is falling and she's been burned and, you know, um, but uh, it's uh, kind of what you were just talking about before you were bringing up the the point about the tension, you know, the, um, you know, that whole scene on the bus, you know, there's that whole thing about like, who's, you know, like you said, the paranoia, you know, there's a lot of that played in here. Like, are they coming for me? Yeah, which I like, he's taking the time yeah. to pay attention to those little details to make it that way. It's, it's uh, a lot of redirects and false, you know, false uh, lurches, but um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, here's a funny scene. Uh, so, I mean, I, I actually think that the whole thing, leading up to this it's really smart now we get the girlfriend attacked we are paranoid now Arkun gets attacked by lone thugs we don't know it's lone thugs but right away he just gets attacked he fights really well but then they don't just murder him they're like we want your money we want you to pay us back so go do that <laughs> which kind of leads to the next section like now he has to drive his van again as they say but you know he's like a bus driver it's like he has to become a bus dude so we get Arkut attacked by the Lone Thugs, um, which was scary. But then the banker brother, whatever his name was. So the first time I watched it, I didn't understand that the person attacking the banker brother, banker friend, whatever you guys want to call him. I didn't realize that guy was just like a random thug. I'm like, because the battle <clears throat> goes on for a long time. He's slashing his briefcase out in the alley. Like at one point he hides under a car. Um, like the it's a pretty hardcore fight for a street thug, but that was a street thug, right? Like that guy wasn't part of the bigger picture, right? Right. Again, it's a, that's what I like about this movie is is you not only are the characters going, is that a bad guy? Is that a bad guy? Now we as an audience going, is that a bad guy? Is that mm. a bad guy? Whether it's the guy, whether it's and that that is so smart about this. This is what I'm saying is this this movie, and usually when people talk about Bruce Lee movies, this one rarely gets brought up. Which to me is a it's it's too bad because I think it's a pretty pretty interesting movie you know for that reason you know you get Bruce with the Man of Myth or Fist of Fury two or whatever that this one rarely comes up but as as maybe because he as a character isn't as focused on as much you know it is sort of an ensemble piece I mean he is the star but we're kind of still we go off on the other guys every every other character's story. Um, but man, it's got some really intelligent, uh, you know, maybe a little choppy and a little uh, low budget, but it's got some really interesting dynamics to the story and what it does to you as a viewer for an action yeah. film. Yeah, in such a shame after all that battling, like he comes out of the, the alleyway. He's like, cool, that sucked. And then he just gets fucking murdered right there. Like, right. Wow. Thanks, guys. Uh, Okay, well, that leads to the next, the final. Which, which, by the way, you know, is a, a little bit of a foreshadow of the end, right? I mean, that's kind of a very similar, sort of a same oh, type shit, of idea. It sure is, yeah. Yeah, life means nothing. Um, all right, but it does lead us to our last section of the film, which um, at this point, uh, Bruce and Arkun, we want to try to draw them out. Uh, so. It's kind of hilarious, like uh, they're on the bus just driving around and 
uh, I think at one point it was something dumb. I can't remember the first one, but the second one made me laugh because the guy was like, you keep staring at me like that. I'm going to fucking get you next time. <laughs> Cause they're just paranoid. Like he's glaring at people. It was like straight out of the it crowd. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That finally... scene was again, really well done. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. Yeah. Cause again, I think they're, they're doing a Hitchcockian sort of um, finding your suspense. Like we don't know who's who. And everybody on the bus could be the guy that's about to stab our people, but it doesn't happen that way. And yeah. Yeah, it's funny. All right. Well, that leads to, yeah, here we are. Uh, Come move in with me, bro. We'll just hide in my apartment and they'll never get us or something. I don't know. But we get to... um, so what essentially happens is they do stay home. They're watching football. Um, Arkham's was like, I'm going to go take a shower. And it's like, cool. Like, we're safe here. And we get to the psycho shower scene, which I will throw on right now. Unless, Michael, you want to throw in anything before I get to the psycho shower scene. Do it first, and then we'll, we'll yeah, we'll talk after. No, it's fine. No, go ahead. All right, perfect. Jumps a little. Okay. We haven't been kicked off yet, so fingers crossed. off of it totally it's got to be something about using a japanese weapon at this particular point <laughs> yeah it's true it's not a typical broadsword or something right and considering all the anti-chinese anti-japanese things we've seen okay <laughs> I can't. The old tongue. Hey. Hi. Great camera angle. Oh my god, that looks awesome. Yeah, out the window, man. Yeah. All right, there we go. Hopefully, not getting us kicked off. <clears throat> cool scene. We got the psycho scene. Um, yeah. We gotta be doing something else. I was just watch it, man. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, yeah, Bruce tracks him. Um, we get to see the camera again, uh, which is great. So remember, we're talking about the SLR that we saw in the beginning. It's back. It was by his foot earlier while he was watching the game, and now we see it again. Um, 
we had the volume thing happen again, which is funny. I, I didn't have a clip of that either, but he turns up the game really loud for whatever reason. Like he didn't want to hear his friend showering or bathing or something. So he went for it. But that led to this big finale of uh, Philip Coe and Bruce. So um, that leads. Yeah. I mean, uh, you want to well, talk about that from before a, from I get. A point of view of... <clears throat> Yeah, my last clip is, uh, I'm not going to show everybody the ending. You guys have to, have to watch that yourselves. But I at least have the camera flashing in his eyes. It's a really long fight, um, and it's really good. I mean, that's one of those, you always talk about it, Michael. Uh, you wanted those kinds of um, fight scenes when you were young, because you could go and do the same exact sequence to, you know, because it's well choreographed, and it's like they're just giving you free you know, kung fu moves. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, uh, well, that leads to it then. Uh, let me throw in the camera scene um, and we can talk about the big ending. I called this one the Flash Man. <laughs> Well, I thought I had a longer one than that, but whatever. Um, get give the little, idea. Yeah. Shot. He flashes, yeah, he flashes him in the eyes. Yeah, no, it's great. Like you said, it's, it was brought up in the very first scene where she's like, he's taking pictures of his girlfriend, and she's like, oh, no, stop it. He says, come on, this is my new camera. It's fully automatic. Let's, let's go take some pictures. And then she kind of smiles, and you're kind of wondering, what kind of pictures they go take? But then... Uh, but then here we go, and we have it at the end. And we, as you mentioned a minute ago, it's you know there's a scene earlier in the when he's in the room where you you he's all of a sudden just reaches over to the camera and just kind of moves it a little bit and pushes yeah. it, and you're going, what's that all about? But it's just drawing your attention to the fact that camera's there. You don't know for what. And the thing about the audio that you were mentioning is is that you've got all this noise. You got this the game and the music, and then he's getting stabbed in the in the bathtub. But then when Bruce lies kind of going, hey, you okay, what's going on? And he goes up to the refrigerator, everything goes quiet. So when you have all that noise for a minute or two, and then everything yeah. goes quiet, it makes your, your senses kind of go a little bit. So that was what made it effective. And I'm I'm pretty sure, you know, other people watching might know differently, but I'm, I'm this is my brain, it's not jumping out. But this is the only time I think Bruce Lye and Philip Coe ever fought each other. Um, and uh, I, I love this again. I love this fight scene too. It's just it's so it's this one's kind of nice because it's a more of a combination of the the barbaric choreography we've been watching that's been messy mixed with the martial arts. So the techniques are clean, and but yet they're they're still fighting in this very violent fashion. Um, and um, you know the last, as we mentioned, the last technique of this is just the most brutal. <laughs> The most brutal uh, thing ever, I think, in a Bruce Lye movie, you know, it was great. It threw me off when I saw the first time. I was like, he just kick his head off of me, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I didn't want to put that in here because I think everybody should watch this beginning to end. Don't just watch yeah. us talking about it and see. But yes, it's a very crazy big finale. Um, in fact, beyond that, um, the death of uh, Philip Coe comes a very random final murder um, 
our Bruce. I uh, the first time I watched it, I thought it was like literally right after that happened. But when you look at it, uh, Michael, you brought this up. Uh, he's totally dressed in different clothes. He's like clean. So they just really jumped to later on. They murder him for for just to clear the slate. Yeah, they just kill him. And that's the, that's the end. Yeah, and it's not. It's, yeah, that's what it is. And it's, it's funny because they're kind of like saying we don't give a crap about the gold at this point. We're just going to get rid of you. And if you notice, it's a it's an emblem of a Mercedes. And then you see Bruce lie and the gun goes off and kills him. And then we cut and it's a black guy, you know, obviously representative of American, you know, and it's just like such this, this sort of, you know, just bizarre, just quick ending. We don't even know this guy. We've never seen him before. It wasn't Philip Coe that killed you. It's this, you know, foreigner, et cetera, that just, you know, beautiful Mercedes that shoots you dead, you know? Yeah. And that then, like it. you said, you see the old, you see where the gold buried and it's going to stay buried unless somebody else discovers it years down the line. And then we have our last shot with our, you know, our, uh, our Chinese boss that's, you know, helping out and just business as usual, business yeah. as usual, but they're all And dead. like you said, they so, actually say that, well, none of this was of any consequence. We're just happy to be past it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I love it. Great movie. I thought this was fantastic. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say there. All right. Well, uh, let's head into our uh, typical stuff. Uh, news. Do you have news? Do you want me to bring up the news I uh, have you know, first? It, it just happened. I didn't, I didn't. What's that? No, please. Give me. Give me. What do you have? No, I was just going to say that um, a couple things coming up to, that are coming to mind. I wasn't there. I didn't. I was actually working, so I didn't get a chance to go. But just yes, as of the recording of this, or you know, we're Wednesday or Thursday, so it was a couple days ago. Um, the new Beverly showed the Big Boss Part Two and Fist of Fury Two, um, which will do nobody any good because they weren't there, unless they were there. Uh, so that's kind of cool. That's good. I'm glad they're getting back. And there was a period there where they were showing, they were putting up scheduling movies, but it was never a Kung Fu movie. It was a lot of, you know, black exploitation or weird, you know, art films, et cetera. But now I think they're last month, they had a couple of Kung Fu movies this month. So I'm hoping it'll, they'll keep at least sticking one in there, you know? Nice. Um, didn't they then, find a kid as well? Yeah. And then did they, what? The Bruce Lee, the kid, or whatever it's called. Didn't they do that one as one of their first opening? I feel like we talked about that, like, um, New Beverly in particular had, like, the one where Bruce Lee's, like, you know, 12 with his messed up teeth. Bruce Lee is 12 when he's, you mean, the real Bruce Lee you're talking about? Yeah, was it Bruce Lee? Yeah, was it called The Kid or something? I don't know. They did that one. Um, I think it was the first Bruce. I mean, I don't know if that's really considered Bruce Bruce exploitation, but because it had Bruce in it, but it was sort of exploiting Bruce after the fact because it was him as a child. And I believe. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry, my kids make it. (laughs) Anyway, um, I think the new Beverly did that. So I just think it's like uh, we're doing the thing. So they did that. Then. Big Boss 2. What was the other? It was a double feature, right? It was two twos. It was Fist of Fury Part 2 and Big Boss 2. There we go. Anyway, I love it. We don't have anything here yet. Uh, my theater's opening back up, but <laughs> nothing. Yeah. 
Halstead. Oh, Halstead. Yeah, nothing yet, huh? Uh, bastard. <laughs> um, the news I have. Well, the uh, other thing I was going to say is on a general kung fu note is that Arrow Films, and a lot of people probably know this, but Arrow Films has announced cryptically because they haven't really announced it yet is they're going to be doing a big Shaw brothers release. So I think they bought a bunch of Shaw brothers films. They're going to release a box set or something. I mean, that's everybody's thinking, but they might do them individually, you know, one after another, but I think they're, they'll be announcing the next few days, I think actually. So that's really cool. I mean, they're getting a hold of, they've been doing a great job with some of the other films and I'm glad they're, I'm glad they're, you know, that cause for me and, and um, the guys I'm working with, Dealing with the Shaw brothers is a little bit of a, you know, it's a tough cookie and it's a lot of money. So I'm glad somebody's doing it. and It's not us, you know, but um, we'll just stick with the independent films that nobody ever, <laughs> nobody ever cares about except for us. Uh, but I'm, gl I'm glad that Arrow's going to gonna do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then did you see, I think that was just this <clears throat> morning. Um, I almost want to double check my sources, but. Yeah, the Bob Baker letters of Bruce Lee um, were just sold at auction. And they include all these, like, wonderful tickets mm -hmm. about Bob sending, you know, drugs to Hong Kong to Bruce for, you know, sending him coke and acid and all this stuff. I, I thought it was fascinating. I mean, we all know Bruce was all about, you know, expanding his mind through pharmaceuticals. So I'm not surprised at all. But um I felt it was like kind of crazy that it it didn't get like kind of put under the umbrella of Shannon and the Bruce Lee crew. Like we just got to hear about it as regular people, like all these letters. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, the state doesn't want to have anything to do with that. I, I've known about his, his I mean, look, he hung out with Steve McQueen and James Coburn. It was the 60s and early 70s. All these guys were doing this stuff. You yeah. Know? It was and I think with cut. him, you know, he's such a hyper yeah, it was, you know, and I mean, I think, it, you know, it's tough because for some people it's like it hits the, the, the martial arts healthy guy that he that he was. I mean, he still was, but, you know, I mean, he was going through a period. He was in his early 30s, late 20s, and, you know, maybe he got a little too, but, you know, from the stress and stuff, he just was probably liked how he felt all hopped up on coke or whatever it was that he was doing, you know, and um, and it's, you know, it's, it's tough with the letters because, I don't think anybody has a right to prevent that from being released. It's not, um, you know, it's a personal letter that was written to him so they can do what they want with it, you know? Um, Which also makes it unfair, some, right? I always want like, to make some money and get rid of it. Like, I don't want anybody to read anything private I've ever sent, but if I, you know, or Bruce Lee died, people would want to read it. Yeah. I don't know. It's unfair. Yeah. I, I get you. And, I, and I, I'm mixed on it, you know, because, I mean, I know about that part of his life. You know, from every, all, you know, I've heard about it for years, you know, but it's just, there's a party that's sort of like, eh, just keep it buried. Because go to a private guy and just get to sell the letters rather than put it up on an auction. You know, he probably, he probably could have made a couple of phone calls and got the same money, you know, without it becoming a big public right? thing. You know, it's, yeah, it's a little bit, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, he's still who he is. And, you know, it's, he's still the, the rad, cool dude, regardless if he was a little, a little bit uh, interested in the uh, psychedelics and, you know, and I know at the time when he passed away, Bob Baker was in, uh, I think he was actually in Hong Kong and they, like the story was, you know, they shipped them back to the United States within 24 hours. Like whoever knew at that time 
what was kind of interacting between them. And so when Bruce Lee passed away, they were like, go. And they just got rid of him because they didn't want the news or anybody coming after him. And But, uh, yeah, yeah, he was his, uh, he was his hookup. Well, I have a feeling, um, yeah, the, the powers that be being Shannon and crew didn't really want that to go the way it did because a lot of, you know, older people especially are just still so, well, if you touch anything like that, you're not, you said it, you're not healthy. You're not some awesome martial artist. It just, yeah, it doesn't really matter. But I, I thought it was interesting. It was Hollywood at the time and that's what people did. And, and Bruce felt it helped him come up with better characters. Like, you know, he, had to think beyond the minutia of always being Bruce. I don't know. It was interesting, but that's, I guess now just going to be a part of the whole thing. And I feel yeah, like, that, I, I don't know if he felt like it was helping him do anything other than just get the hell out of his brain for a, few, a little while. Maybe that could be it, but you know, it's, it's, it is funny because this is a weird time because there's that that you brought up. And then there's that whole Tarantino podcast. He just did, with yeah. Joe Rogan that was all on Bruce and it got Shannon to reply to, it, you know, based on his movie and, and all that. And, and I thought, you know, anybody should look up her, her response to it too. If, if you saw it was the, really, the really good the podcast, yeah. saw the podcast, whatever. No, for sure. You're, you're dead on. It was so good to read yeah. her response because it is a shame. It's like, you know, we all respect Tarantino. He's done such fantastic movies. It's like, I've never, Go there, but there's a point where you just back down from I don't know shitting over somebody else's legacy. <laughs> I don't know. Just go home, man. You got so much other shit you could be freaking out about. You know, it's funny for me in that movie. Yeah, I, and it's funny within the the context of the movie, it didn't it didn't trip me out as much, even though it was very character. I thought that Mike Bong did a great job. Um, you know, it was like you totally had the, the, the sound and the, the, the just the mism. Um, but because it ultimately in the movie ended up being Brad Pitt's like fantasy of what might happen if he goes to the set, you know, that was the like, point. Right? Yelled at by Kurt Russell, I'm gonna get into a fight with that big guy. I, in a way, I kind of go, okay, it's all right. It was a, that was his thought, bro. We know the, the real Bruce Lee and the real in the movie was like everything, you know, because that whole movie was all about the fantasies of the fantasy, you know, I mean, obviously with the ending and all that stuff. But that was the only reason I didn't get totally thrusted off by it because I didn't specifically feel like he was saying, this is the way Bruce Lee was. He was just going, this is the way Brad Pitt's kind of tripping on him right now, you know? Agreed. But then he yeah. goes, but then goes on the podcast and then kind of has his own, you know, I've heard him talk about Bruce. It's fine. Everybody's opinion. I mean, I'm, I'm cool with it, you know, but I, I mean, he called him a terrible director, you know, <laughs> you know, when he's talking about way of the dragon, but you know, it's everybody's opinions and I think it's fine. I just, uh, I, you know, I was, I was glad that, you know, there was like kind of a, a, a he got to say what he wanted to say and she got to say what she wanted to say. And it was, it was kind of, yeah. I mean, it's a little like, you know, like, like ooh, inside on one end. But it's sort of like, I'm glad people are getting a chance to vocalize and say what they want to say, you know? Yeah, hopefully the people who were, who cater. And I don't think she's right at all, you know? She's making Yeah. 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 They heard both sides. All right. Well. Um, okay. Um... We have t-shirts coming. So. T-shirts? Yeah, if you want your Clones Cast t-shirt, just let me know. No, don't worry. I'll, do put, we? I'll we post. Do we? 
YouTube? Yeah, finally. After like yeah. years. My God. You know, it's me. Um, I got the guy who did our original logo and uh, I asked him to help me fix it up so we could just do it. But yeah, we'll just have uh, have shirts. So if you want to clones cast it up, I don't have to be Godzilla all the time. Oh, is that what that's on? Yes, merch. Exactly, Chris. Um, yeah, so cool. Um, okay, so that said, I wanted to show my partner bought me this piece of art. She's from the art scene, and she knew somebody. His name is Gabriel Edwards, and he um, did this cool piece of art. I'm going to throw it up right now. The idea here, um, he usually just uh, takes like a horror film or an action film, and he finds weird aspects in it, and he posts it. So here is what I was given, and um, I'll tell you guys when we're done. There we go. So, uh, and Michael, you have to move over. <laughs> you have to move yes, to this the movie. Side. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You have to know you got to move the other way. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll see it's a lot of aspects from Enter the Dragon. Um, I got most of them right off the bat. Um, I actually had to ask Michael about that um, beautiful tie there, and I wish I had the follow-up that I could just throw it in here right now. But yeah, you guys, let me know if there's something in there that you didn't recognize or you do. But um, yeah, this is a real print I have. I'm about to frame it. It'll be up behind me next time. But uh, anyway, Bruce cool. in such a cool way. All right. And then now um, I'm, I'm thinking about what if they did Bruce Lee, the man, the myth, what would be on that poster? Right. right. Yeah, I mean, I think we can commission this guy. Again, Gabriel Edwards. Check him out. I think he's on Instagram. Yeah, just say. Just, all right. Just, That's yeah. great, great talk. Uh, we should make him do them all at this point. That'd be awesome. Um, we actually have a message, and um, I can try it. We're doing this live. We're, we're doing fine. Um, let me throw it out there. This was a guy named Tom from the UK, and he wanted to uh, – he sent us a voicemail. I voicemailed, I took his voicemail and I attached it to some images in iMovie and made it into a thing I could put into this platform. So let me throw it on really quickly. If you guys can hear him well, if Michael, if you can hear him well, we'll respond. If not, um, I'll tell you right away, Tom, you sent a second message and that was total garbage on Skype. So I got nothing, but this one is coherent and here we go. So this is a phone call from Tom. Hi, my name is uh, Tarquin. I'm calling from the UK, calling regarding the Clonescast. A big thank you to uh, to you and uh, Mr. Michael Worth. So thank you, Matthew. Uh, loving the podcast. Uh, only recently found them. I don't know how I missed them, um, but I've been a huge uh, fan of the genre for a long, long time, based here in the UK. Um, I thought you might be interested to uh, firstly say thank you. I managed to find Llama Avenger having thought I'd seen it before, but uh, having confused it with Enter Three Dragons and uh, the Soul Brothers of Kung Fu, so uh, not, or Tiger Strikes Again as it was in the UK. The reason the call is to basically say, keep doing the great stuff that you're doing. It's so good to uh, to tune in, listen to your thoughts on the movies, uh, get some background from uh, you and Michael, but also understand the sort of overall picture of uh, the evolution of the movie making in terms of Bruce Lee's life. Uh, I am fortunate enough to have trained uh, with Dan Infanto and various others from the JKD network, um, both in the US and here. And uh, I wondered, and it's a challenge, um, 
I really wanted to get the Chinese stuntman years and years ago. So uh, my mother lived on the west coast of the US, so I used to travel over to see her. And I literally went round a video store, a video store, and on the way back to LAX airport, found the Chinese stuntman in the, I think it was Jumbo Video or something, bought that back to the UK and had to get a brand new video player that played um, NTSC region so I could watch it. But uh, I think that's quite a, um, yeah, a challenge to beat. How far have people traveled to get Bruce exploitation movies? That's my challenge. Thank you again for the great work. Just so excited to uh, kind of join this community and hear what you've got to say. Thank you. Bye for now. All right. Well, yeah. Um... Okay, I, I, I'm going to something out to you real quick. I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, I uh, I completely got kicked off. So whatever he was exactly saying, I just saw a picture of some wine. I didn't know what was going on. I just caught the very last literal sentence of what he said about traveling for Bruce Bluetation or something. So you have to summarize for me if there was something I was supposed to know. Um, <laughs> oh, I think he, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, I noticed that you were gone and uh, <laughs> also had my own problems trying to like fix things. But um, if I remember right, um, his challenge is uh, like, what's the furthest you've gone for blue exploitation? <laughs> the furthest. Um, but I'm just going I would with say this one. For me, sorry, Tom. We love you. Oh, what's that? I was just saying, yeah, sorry, Tom. I don't know if I summed him up right, but yes. What's the furthest you've gone for blue exploitation? Um. Well, literally the furthest would be Hong Kong and South Korea and, and Taiwan. Um, but uh, aside from that, I would say just some of the money maybe I've spent a few times in my life for certain things. You know, um, there was a point where I was much more of a heavier collector. And there were times where you'd see something and somebody would read that, oh, he really wants this. And because Bruce Plantation, to be honest with you, is not in itself a an expensive you know collectible it's not something that appreciates per se you know in in uh, i gotta turn my camera away but appreciates um in time like maybe bruce lee or, or certain other things but um for us you know it's it's something great and um i would say yeah money spending probably more than i should have a couple of times and uh but that that's about it i can't think right. of anything too crazy well it's not just i can do out, a movie yeah. once when i Okay, there you go. I, yeah. I did actually, that's, that's not true. I snuck my movie cameras in, my Super 8 film camera to the theater like two or three times to uh, film off the screen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I read your thing the other day about um, uh, Big Boss 2 um, and how you found the bootleg and all that stuff. So I thought that was mm -hmm. awesome too. You know, you, you copied the bootleg and you felt bad. Anyway, um, Chris pointed out uh, that he had gone from the UK to California to get Chinese stuntman. So that's a pretty big hit. And uh, next wow. episode, I have new messages, but I have somebody else who's who drug his family across England to get things like Chinese stuntman and uh, Dynamo. So I don't know. I love it. I love that everyone just goes out of their way to get these films. It's one of our, you know, I mean, we, we know how we feel about this. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody grew up at different periods or different times. And 
we interconnect our experiences with these kung fu movies to our childhood in many ways. Some of us got into it in our adulthood, but there is, you know, it it's, hits that little pleasure zone in us sometimes. So, you know, I mean, like, you can see we got a blind fist of Bruce poster up there. And, yeah. you know, it's like these certain little things sometimes just, you know, they just make us make us happier in that weird little way. Exactly. You know, you sneak off and go, I'm going to watch, you know, Fist of Fury 3 right now. Or, or, you know, for me, I mean, at times it's been spending money on buying film prints, you know, even though I may not have the money. I mean, most of the time I buy these film prints to get them for everybody else to see because I just don't want them to just disappear. But, you know, it's, you know, I never, I can't, I don't, I can't get them all made, you know, it's like, unfortunately, but so yeah, anyways, it's, it's, it's a, Hey, you're fighting the good it's a fun little thing. We, all have. we appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So oh, you promised good, it, yeah. Michael, uh, we have, I think uh, not that many people online, but um, it's time for the, the Michael Q and a, does anybody have anything they want to ask? Uh, we kind of jumped a little bit into that earlier, but um, this is the end. Uh, we're heading out. Uh, what do you want to ask either of us? But I think, uh, obviously, I'm a moderator and not so much uh, a Michael. So anything oh. you have for him? I see a lot of everybody wants to go to the New Beverly. And I do, too. I've never been. So when I come out there, you got to take me to the New Beverly. Yeah, you'll like it there. I mean, there's a couple of theaters like that, like the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica, but they just tend to not go the route of, you know, the New Beverly's all about the grindhouse, you know, kind of an yeah. outlier sort of films where Arrow's a little more Ozu and Kurosawa and Peter Bogdanovich oh. and whatever else, you know. But, all right, so Arrow yeah. would be right up my alley, obviously. And, you know, I like the smaller theaters. I feel like uh, like New Beverly, um, as much as I do really want to go there, Talk about a place that's already pre-populated. It's going to be hard. Like Hollywood here is pre-populated usually, but not with Kung Fu films or Chambara samurai films, which I'm totally into. I usually, when I get in there with those, half the theater's in there. You know, people want to come see Animal House and stuff like that. So different. All right. So we got, um, what is the next uh, Pearl River release, Michael? Well, you know, as we, we've already mentioned, it's Duel of the Seven Tigers is getting finished right now, and that will be announced with all the special features pretty soon, I think. I'm just waiting for the, the, the higher-ups to give me the cue. Um, what's going to follow that? I don't really know. I do have a couple. There's a, It's funny because I'm working with a couple different distribution companies right now, and I'm trying to get all of these films out, and so I'm just sometimes not sure which one's going where. I have... I will tell you this, <clears throat> I have two prints that are really messed up, but of Seven Commandments of Kung Fu, which is an old film of a favorite of mine. And I am hoping to get the guys at DCI to commit to this. It's, it's going to be a hard one because they're both pretty messed up prints, but I got two of them. So I think there might be some Frankensteining of it to get it together, but I'm hoping no, I might cool. be able to follow up. Dual Seven yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. And then, um, um, you know, um, like I said, I'm, I'm really, ex I can, <clears throat> I've been finishing up the documentary uh, and that's, uh, when the documentary comes out, it's going to do some festivals first, but when the documentary comes out, it is being paired up with, let's just say several titles. 
and um, I can't announce them yet, but I can, you know, I, there's the little hints, you know, you'll, you'll go down the old social media and you'll see like, wow, what's, you're gonna, it's been, plenty of them have been hinted at over the, over the uh, months, but um, so yeah, it's gonna be Duel of Seven Tigers, possibly do, uh, Seven Commandments of Kung Fu. And I also have a print of, um, I'll just say this, cause I, you know, I don't know what we're doing quite yet, but I have Fist of Fury three, which is the Jeet Kune Claws, the Supreme Kung Fu, which we did, you know, not that long ago, um, that might follow up quickly after one of those or right before one of them, actually. So we'll see, but that's, that's right. it for the moment. I love it. Um, all right. Uh, any word on that future project with Bruce Lai? That's from the martial arts mania podcast. Yeah, I, I shot a, a bunch of when I was, uh, you know, I've gone to see him a few times and the last time specifically I was paying more attention to this, but I've, I've, um, you know, I've got a bunch of footage and I started to put a documentary together and I was going to do a quick one that was going to be small that actually was going to come out on Dynamo. But once I started putting it together, I was like, you know what, this is a bunch bigger, a bigger project. And so um, uh, that will, I, I was originally going to put that out with, with um, Pearl River. Um, but I have, gotten another offer to do something else with it that will probably get a lot more attention. Um, and so I'm going to be probably doing it with that. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that to festivals as well. I would say towards the end of this year, you'll be seeing it somewhere. Cool. Um, okay. How about the poster book? Where are we at? Oh yeah. The poster book. It's, oh God, that's been such a pain in the ass. Cause once the COVID was over, we kind of like, shoved it along to these guys but then we were stuck behind all their other and i actually almost took it to another group but they were charging so much more money uh, i just i didn't you know we have just raised enough by the skin of our teeth to get this done in fact i put some of my own money into it to, to finish it but the good thing is the plus of it was i ended up putting an extra like 20 posters into it um i'm hoping in the next week or two to start putting up some of the pages to show what it looks like really cool um, so we'll be announcing that pretty quick too. And I just want to get them out to everybody because everybody's been waiting and so patient, but uh, it's good. I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, I love it. All right. Well, I think uh, other than, um, yeah, Martial Arts Mania podcast talked about the screening on Monday. It was a lot of fun. Definitely worth it. If you've never been. Um, yeah, Michael, you're free. That's it. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah. So Tom, <laughs> Hopefully we uh, we gave you what you needed there. Um, send us another voicemail if you have something else to say. And uh, I know I have a couple more people waiting uh, to, you know, people who reach out. So everyone should just call that stupid number, 424-257-0344. Just call us and uh, we'll talk about it. Because all we want to do is talk about Bruce Boydation. So. <laughs> Um, okay, fine. U.S. Seals 3? When's it coming, Michael? I don't know. I'm ready. I'm ready. I got a couple things ready to go, and that, that would be happy to write that script. Uh, <laughs> and the, uh, that'd be fun. I love it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining in. And uh, again, this will just be on, on um, YouTube. So uh, reach out to us, and thanks for tuning in. I'll feed us in. Yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks, you guys. Bye, guys.